Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. So up and so out, do everything I need to do, contribute, safety, defense, special teams. I... I'm turned. Just know I'm coming with that energy. I'm really like that. If you are wondering who that was, I've placed $20 on my co-host today, Aunt Aaron. <laughs> it's Gabe Ramirez at 670 The Score. Aunt, what's up, man? Gabriel, good times, man, good times. Get to spend three hours together tonight on The Score. This is going to be a good time, man, coming off of this past weekend. It's- you know what? And it's nice, too, that not only do we have all kinds of bear stuff to discuss from the draft weekend, a lot of differing opinions on the approach that was taken there. Get a little, little positivity from the South Side, too. With the White Sox, there's a whole lot we can get into, man. It's going to be a fun night. And, and you know I'm a big Sox fan, so uh-huh. the fact that we've been in such a rut for such a long time, <laughs> the ability to speak highly of someone that can go right. longer than five innings and uh-huh. get, a, get quite a few strikeouts, it's going to be fun to talk about that. In a little bit, but the cool thing about Ant and I is that we've had the luxury of spending time with each other for a whole year on Bears Unleashed on Fox 32 Chicago. So we've had the chance to really talk about these Chicago Bears in a way that most people have not off camera (laughs) with Mm -hmm. with real, real serious conversations. And I know we're going to go over this again and again. And if there's two people that you'd want to listen to about this, I'm telling you right now, it's us because because we're going to be raw and uncut. And today, Ant, I'm welcoming And shouting out all the haters. Now, I'm not talking about mine, though they exist. We're welcoming all the Chicago Bears haters today. I think that's what we should do, Ant, because I feel like you and I are on the same side when it comes to our thoughts on this draft. And I feel like there's a lot of people that are on the other side. So we're going to have Tyler's going to be opening up the lines. We love open communication and open dialogue when it comes to this kind of stuff. So first and foremost, Ant, what were your thoughts? Just like overview, draft's done. Brian Poles, you're a Bears fan. What what do you think? So coming into the draft weekend, part of my my hope for the Bears' goals were to come out with a lot of contributors. And, and of course, we got to remember, like, they ended up being able to, to be in a position to draft 11 players. They go into the draft weekend with six picks. My concern going in, I was talking about it throughout the the week last week on the score, my concern going in was that as Ryan Poles was talking about trading down and his desire to trade down, that we would see them do that 
early, like right away. Hey, man, we got these second-round picks. Folks still covet second-round picks. Maybe we can get out of pick 39, or maybe we can get out of pick 48. I would have been worried about that because the Bears, the situation their roster was in, certainly make the case it's still in at this point, going into the weekend, is that they need starters. They need people who can come in and contribute immediately. Not to a Super Bowl goal for this coming fall, but – you do need people who can come in and, and, in theory, play representative football. You don't just want a bunch of projects, a bunch of developmental players. Now, the good thing is they kind of needed help everywhere. So what would that approach be? So what I liked about the approach that was taken is that even though we focus so much on the first round game, rightfully so, that's where you get most of your primetime guys, your Hall of Famers and everything else, it's worth remembering that over two-thirds of the league were drafted in you know, after the third round or signed as undrafted free agents, like I was. I was an undrafted free agent. You know, bounced around the league for five different years. But you know, overall, the majority of the guys who were in the NFL on rosters at this point are guys who were taken in what's now thought of as day three. So my hope was the Bears would take those initial picks, those day two picks, and use them. Not trade down, not get out of those spots, but try to get guys who could come in and start for you right away and preferably not get embarrassed. And who knows, man, maybe you even get a guy, maybe guys who turn into like real rookie studs for you. And then from there, if you're going to trade down, start doing that on the final day of the draft. Use day three to start accumulating additional picks. And that's exactly what Ryan Poles ended up doing. So I like that approach. I do believe that on those three picks, day two, you got three guys, both DBs, I believe, well, you know, maybe not – right away from first practice of, of the whatever mini camp, all the veterans are there or of training camp. But I think, you know, fairly quick, we're going to see both rookie defensive backs, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker, are going to turn into starters for the Bears. And then Valus Jones, who certainly isn't evaluated as a number one receiver, but he'll have a, a starter capacity role on this team. He'll be likely the starting returner in some capacity or both. And then also he's his skill set, should be one that that ends up having a key role in this Bears offense as well. Maybe not as a true starting receiver. Maybe he's not your starting slot or certainly don't expect him to be the starting X or anything like that. But a guy who has a, whether it's in your three receiver sets or in some of your flex position sort of sets, would have a key role in this Bears offense. So by my estimation, as I'm evaluating it without having seen them, any of them on the hoof in the NFL, <laughs> I think they, right. they got three guys who should come in and contribute as starters right off the bat. Then from there, fifth round on, they did accumulate additional picks, got some guys whose film I like, some guys who I'm hearing quality things about. So I think overall, you know, aside from the, the notion that, that does concern me of whether or not you accumulated playmakers for Justin Fields and, and got enough additional talent in that will, that will help a second-year quarterback in the way that he needs, there's extra pressure that's going to be on Luke Getze to make sure the offense is managed in a way that you can still get quality quarterback play perhaps even set up a number of big plays because of your offensive system and we do see that as a possibility with the way some of the offenses work around the National Football League not everyone has one of those true ace one-on-one matchup nightmare receivers so I'm you know I'm still I think the jury's still out on that right now it doesn't seem like the Bears have a lot of high level personnel from a playmaking perspective on offense and I don't, certainly don't think they they enhance that very much in the draft that being said though Top to bottom, I think they, they did an effective job of getting a, a lot of quality players in. Well, he did say he wanted to trust his coaches and really respect what it is they could bring to the table and what they could do with these types of players. And 
obviously he felt comfortable and at the very tail end of this draft selecting some of his guys it, it almost made me feel like Ryan Poles I wondered I should say if Ryan Poles in his first year was like yo I'm a scout I know how to do this I, I've been in the league I know I know what I'm doing here's my board and I believe in it so much that I can trade in later rounds to get six and seven picks for most most annually you know you see most guys aren't really being productive in those rounds but he felt as though hey I could find some gems in those spaces but what I loved that he said was he wanted to create competition and when you look at this Bears roster and what it has been over the years I mean what week in and week out who are we talking about Robert Quinn right and that was without a Khalil Mack there so but outside of that who were the guys that were pressing these gentlemen to play a little bit harder. So if there was one thing that I love coming out of Ryan's, Ryan Pohl's mouth, it was just that. And then the other thing that he said that I thought was very interesting was when they asked him, why didn't you trade, like you were just mentioning, his second-round picks. Mm-hmm. And he started to say, well, I just didn't feel that, you know, I felt like these guys were graded so highly on our board that I did not want to trade down and maybe see these guys as an all-pro in a year or two and say, why, why did I pass? And these are things that you love to hear from a GM that is a GM of your team, because again, as I said in the past, and we talked about this about a week ago, and I was going to be judged. The whole purpose of this draft was for me to judge Ryan Poles, right? I mean, that's what it is. Right. You're looking at his whole body of work, and if you t- if you're telling me by week four, there's only 22 starters. Two of them he just picked in the second round of the draft. That's you. Hey, I, I'm gonna ride with you wherever you go. <laughs> and and so I love what he did, but but to your point, sec, in the second round, did you want him to take a risk on a guy like George Pickens? No, he needed he needed guys that were going to come in immediately. He didn't he doesn't have the same leash as like a Mike Tomlin who mm. can do those kinds of things, who are entrusted, who who, who can coach these guys. We've seen that in in these players that he selects. So someone with maybe some some issues with, with personality, you can feel he can curb that. And Ryan Poles is like, I need to hit it out of the park from day one. Don't you agree? And I, I think even in addition to that, because the the amount of leash, the amount of of, of built up equity, you know, with a fan base, uh, that's that's key when decisions like this get made. And as much as a lot of evaluators might want to want to try to you know have people believe that that outside perception doesn't matter, I think the best in the business are able to block a lot of that noise out. But especially when you first get on the job. It's not easy to do that. But I think in addition to that, they just don't necessarily have the, the the veteran presence in the locker room, the gravitas walking around, especially on offense. You know, it's one thing. So I was talking a lot about George Pickens last week where he's he was definitively coming out of Georgia, you know, dealing with injuries and whatnot. But a first-round talent, you know, just universally folks regarded him as a first-round talent. He's a five-star recruit when he came out of high school on his way to Georgia. But – you did have a lot of these these issues, these red flags, the, the perception of him. I didn't want him. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we watched – you and I talked about these games where late late game penalties, personal fouls, people slapping mm-hmm. people in the face. We've seen this. Exactly. We've seen it from Georgia receivers from here in Chicago. Exactly. A lot of idiocy that's taking place, man. I mean, we just watched Javon Wims doing that in recent years. We, we've seen that before. And, you know, should it matter that it was a Georgia receiver who's done it recently? No, that shouldn't necessarily <laughs> matter. But that accumulation of, of immaturity that's been on this Bears roster in recent years, you would imagine from the top down that that discussion has been had where they want the screws to be tightened. They want a team that doesn't pick up silly penalties. And when Preach. you look at the two DBs that they took there in the second round, man, I mean, Gordon has literally never 
been penalized in a game. Really? Brisker hadn't been penalized in two years. So these are guys who play at a high level, who make plays, take the ball away, tackle with physicality, and they do it in an era of football that it's increasingly difficult for defenders to play the game with intensity at a high level and do it without getting flagged. I mean, you know, these guys aren't getting ejected from game, not only for not picking up silly personal fouls, but not for targeting. None of these things. They're not being penalized in that manner. So that, you know, even just tangibly from a playmaking perspective, you're adding that element to your locker room, just guys who can just play the game at a high level, but then also can you play it Within the rules, will you take the approach that's necessary to do these things at a high level and perhaps be that positive influence, be the the epitomation uh, of the, the can you epitomize the hits principle that, that Matt Eberflus talks about so much? And certainly there with those first two picks, you have two guys who do that at a high level. And then with pick number three, the guy in the third round, Bayless Jones, I my impression of that one, Gabe, is that maybe if the Bears had – a fourth round pick available because after they had that third round pick, they weren't going to get back on the board (laughs) until middle of the fifth round. And then it ended up trading down to the latter stages of the fifth round, but they they weren't going to have a lot of space left to get someone who maybe they viewed as having elite traits as a playmaker. That's what Bayless Jones definitively has. Now, you know, you're you're into the third round. You're certainly not going to get as all those receivers flew off the board. What was it, like seven receivers within 15 picks or something like that? Man, they're just flying off the board. So you're not getting one of those top guys. I was a Christian Watson guy. I was hoping that maybe he'd still be on the board if the Bears, you know, in in picking at 39, that if he's there, he would have been the type of guy that I liked, a small college guy with a lot of traits and a lot of productivity. 6'4". It does seem, yeah, man, who can run like the wind. And, you know, yeah, he's had some drops throughout his career. Maybe you can clean that up at the professional level. But you're in the second round. Deeper and deeper you get into this thing, there's going to be guys with some holes. Valus Jones, not the crispest, the, the, the most crisp of route runners, <laughs> not a guy who you know is going to go there and, and be your, your number one receiver, but with the ball in his hands, both as a return man and just a playmaker in space, he does have elite potential for that. That, you know, he's I think the, the Debo Samuel comparison, throwing that name out, yeah, it may it may turn a few folks off because you know, anytime you compare him to someone who's already achieved at an elite level professionally, then folks are going to say you're overstating things. But would you prefer I name some guy you've never heard of? <laughs> we know the name Debo Samuel in this right. city. We know the name Cordero Patterson Gets me in this excited. city. That's the, that's the comp. That's the type of player. That's the brand of role that could be utilized here for Bayless Jones right off the bat in Chicago. And then once you get into day three, it is a little bit of flyers. It is more off traits. It is likely that you're not going to get guys who can contribute immediately there unless you really do hit on someone. Like for me, I think they really hit. You and I talked about Larry Borum a lot during the season when he was healthy. Yeah. Started the majority of the season as left tackle. And for a rookie left tackle, especially when you factor in him being a fifth round pick, played his tail off, man. So, I mean, maybe you do in one of these day three guys or perhaps a couple of these day three guys get someone who drastically achieves beyond their status, like Darnell Mooney did as a rookie, like Larry Borm did as a rookie. We have recent examples of fifth-round picks. Eddie Jackson, I think, was a fourth or fifth-rounder, right? So we've seen this as plausible, but you can't necessarily expect it with guys you're getting that late in the draft. He's Anthony Heron. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is 670 The Score. And I think you're absolutely right. When you're talking about a guy like Velas Jones, you understand Brian Poles is drafting with purpose. In that mm-hmm. position, he is saying, I have a vision of what I want this offense to look like with Eberflus, and this is a guy that can take us to that in that space. And you're right. I mean, when you're talking about 
the value of wide receivers that you can get early in the rounds? Well, yeah, if you look at the last four or five drafts, the only wide receivers that have been productive that have been drafted in the later rounds, Amon uh, St. Ra from Detroit, and, of course, Darnell Mooney from the Chicago Bears has been a phenomenal standout. But that's what, that's what you expect when you get this guy. And in most mock drafts, obviously, Vettis Jones, was they thought he was going to go fourth round, fifth round. But, listen, again, in the NFL, it is about scoring touchdowns. And, and, and if you can get a guy that can get you in that space and scoring points, and, again, you're talking about weapons for your guy, Justin Fields, and those are the haters that I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, and uh-huh. the haters yeah. that are out there, you've seen it. And I hate when people use generalities like, oh, they're out there. No, I actually want to talk to these people <laughs> that are like, hey, there's still not enough weapons. No, I give them a D grade in the draft. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. No, they should have gone, you know, like you said, a receiver early. You know, those are the things they want. So that's the graph, the, excuse me, the grade they would give the Bears. What would you give the Bears if you were grading it, Ant Heron? So I'm I'm a notoriously tough grader uh, on things like this, and you know this is with the understanding, and we we would do grades all the time throughout the season. We'd be on Bears Unleashed. Me Thank God I never asked for feedback, and, uh, Ant. That's what I'm, uh, now that I know right. this. So I mean, I think you know coming out of the draft, I am I'm I'm giving the Bears a little bit of a curve here, just understanding the position they found themselves in. They weren't starting from square one. They weren't starting at ground zero. They're they're kind of Ryan Poles is having to claw himself up from all this dead cap space. The, the dearth of draft capital they had going into it, not even having a first-round pick available to him. And so, you know, understanding that, respecting that curve that things are being graded on, I would go, I'd go C-plus. You know, I, I think it was a, okay. I think it was at least an average to a better-than-average draft for, for the position they found themselves in. And they came out of the draft with what I think, day two, at least three starters. And strategically, I understand what they're looking to deploy. And then you look at – you know, the, the amount of offensive linemen that were drafted, what was it, four total offensive linemen that, that they ended up bringing in, and also an additional running back that comes in as well. And I like some of the traits shown by Treston Ebner. So I think strategically, intellectually, I understand what they were attempting to do in the latter stages of the draft. I suppose my, my main knock would be that I, I think it would have been nice to see them finagle some way to maybe at least take a, a second receiver, get someone else who, you know, perhaps you – you think has an opportunity to come in and be an immediate contributor because I don't I don't look at Tristan Everett and think he's a guy I'm confident would be an immediate contributor. He'd have to perform beyond what what my ex- expectation would be. I don't think it's implausible, but I don't look at him and say that's a guy who maybe game one would be someone having a role on the Bears' offense or special teams. But that being said, love the traits for a six rounder, and I think overall the offensive linemen, a lot of them do strike me as as more projects guys who you can try to develop into nfl contributors that being said you still need a starting right guard so likely they go the veteran route but you didn't come out of the draft filling a bunch of holes for guys who would be immediate contributors which normally you won't normally you come out of a draft game and you're just hoping the majority of the picks make the team let alone contribute immediately but the bears went into this draft needing to hit on a bunch of picks because of all the roster holes that they're they're blessed with, let's call it right now. So I, I'll go C plus, and again, that that may be even a little bit of a tough grade. You know, maybe B minus is probably a little more fair for where things are at. But one thing I, I know we got to get to a timeout in a moment. I, I would love from your perspective because all the conversations you and I got to have throughout the football season, sure. and especially through that Justin Fields lens, I'm curious your thoughts, man, on just whether or not you feel like the 
the focus? Was there enough focus in the draft on trying to set Justin Fields up for success? Because there was a discussion. I was having it on our on our Bears uh, NFL draft special that we had over the weekend with me and Mully and Owen Crutes. And yeah, yeah, you know, I saw that plan out on social media and everything else. And it's like I said, it's a it's a concern that I share. While intellectually, I, I understand the position they're in, but I definitely, I'm wondering your perspective. We, yeah. we had some really good Justin Fields discussions a ton both of on air and off throughout the season. First of all, I just want to say, I hope we're hyping you up about this Bears team and this Bears draft because <laughs> this is what, we, okay, all right, Ann Heron, Gabe Ramirez, sick of the score. Hey, I'll, I'll point to one quote and one quote only before we get to a break. And actually, not a quote. I'll just kind of give you a summation of what he said. Okay. And it was essentially that, by the bear, or Ryan Poles, I'm talking about. By the Bears being better, it makes Justin Fields better. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's it. That's the snapshot right there. And I think that if the defense is better, Justin Fields gets the ball a little bit more, a couple more times. And I feel like Justin Fields is the type of guy that, if given more opportunities, he will come through for you eventually. Right. So for me, I think overall, I like it as as, as a Bear fan. I like it because again, you create competition. You make your team two starters on defense. I don't care. This is the NFL. If you got two NFL starting guys, like that, whether it's free agency, the draft, however you get them on your team, if these are guys that can contribute week in and week out and can be healthy, then you should be happy that your GM that just came in, you gave him a C plus. He didn't even get to study for the test. <laughs> he just got the job three months ago. You know what I'm saying? So for him uh-huh. to be able to pull this off. I don't know. Kudos. Shout out, shout out Ryan Poles, man. I'm glad right. you're here. I love your energy. I love what you're doing. I love, I love everything that you got going on. And again, like I said a second ago, aren't we hyping you up about this whole thing? This is how you should be feeling right now. <laughs> and it does not stop. Coming up right after the commercial break, we got Pat Finley, who covers the Bears in the NFL for the Chicago Sun-Times. We will do that next. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Ant Heron right here on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Talk to the head coach, receiver coach, and had great, great conversation. Probably the best conversations I had with any coach of the draft. And spiritually as well, because I'm big believer in faith and so man it was just like a it was a whole vibe it was connection there and it was crazy you know I was sitting down I really had that was like the best conversation best interview I was a part of this whole process and you know us watching tv I'm pretty sure they were the 71 pick and I think it was like 95 and we were just going over um the titans I know I had good chemistry with the titans as well and then I saw the bears and I said I feel like it's going to be one of these and I got the phone call and that's, man, that's something. And I, it's on footage. You know, that's something I'll share uh, with my family. It's something, you know, that'll live with me for the rest of my life. Bayless Jones describing what that process was like for him to be drafted by the Chicago Bears. Hey, man, I'm glad you're here. I hope you already got a condo in downtown Chicago. West Loop, go that way. <laughs> Make my property value go a little bit higher. It's Gabe Ramirez here with Aunt Heron. What's up, Aunt? Gabe, yeah, man. This is a it's a, a fun time because there's a lot of unknowns. And so for the moment, you do what you can to give the benefit of the doubt to everything that's happening with the guys over at Hallis Hall. And I think there's reasonable excitement because at least a number of these draft picks played at, at sizable enough programs where a lot of folks got to watch them play at a high level in college. And we are excited to talk about Every single one of these, we're going to make him break down every single, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> Let's welcome from the Chicago Sun-Times, he covers the Bears and the NFL. Pat, what's going on? How are you, Pat Finley? I'm good, I'm good. I thought we were going to talk real estate when you were talking about so many unknowns. <laughs> hey. It sounds more like a condo search. Hey, listen, this is Chicago, so if you want to put, if you want to shout out your neighborhood and increase the value by four or 5000 right now, <laughs> you can do I, that. I'm, I'm, I'm Evanston, so I'm just a little oh. bit north, okay. and, and I know Chicago loves nothing more than to fight other people who claim that a suburb is actually <laughs> Chicago, so I will... Back off on that, but I do love it in Evanston. Pat, I was just going to say that you're in pockets. Yeah, you're in Evanston. Nobody's worried about you. You're not worried about anybody, all right? You're good. You're in Evanston. You're not worried about it. Uh, Pat, let's just jump to it. Let's just talk to the, talk about the man who we just heard from, Valus Jones. Were you surprised by the pick, or were you welcoming of the 71st pick, Valus Jones? I'm not sure I was surprised by the pick because, you know, at some point they were going to take a wide receiver, right? Um the style of receiver that they drafted to me was a little surprising. Um, he is the kind of guy that, you know, once you get the ball in his hands, you know, he's got this four three two forty speed, uh, and he can do some things with it. But I'm not sure that he's going to make Justin Fields' life easier in the way that a possession receiver would have, in the way that, you know, a big old jump ball receiver on the outside would have. Um, you know, I, I, I thought John Mechie was the kind of person who could be Justin Fields' best friend for the next five years. Uh, they didn't go in that direction. They went with Bayless Jones. I think he's probably a returner and then a receiver in that order. Um, and I think he's probably more of a gadget player than he is a reliable, consistent 
receiver, but we'll, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. The raw skills are there for sure, but I, I just don't know how much you're going to have to move heaven and earth uh, to put him in the best position to succeed. And you are obviously uh, amongst a, a crew of people who have gotten to talk to Ryan Poles throughout the time, the short time that he's been running things for the Bears. What were your impressions of, of what his approach would be going into draft weekend, and then now that we've got the draft in the rearview mirror, do you feel like that the weekend played out as expected or did he kind of you know, have some things in there where he pulled a fast one or you know, was holding his cards close to the vest and did something a little different? I did not bet on him uh, trading four times on the last day of the draft, I can tell you that. <laughs> but, but we knew he was going to be patient. We knew that he wasn't going to sacrifice anything in the future for something in the present. Um, that makes a lot of sense when you look at not only – the dead cap money that the Bears have to eat this year uh, that only got greater, by the way, when they cut Nick Foles. Um, and uh, the cap space that they do have for 2023, which is the most in football right now. Uh, they are playing for 2023. I, I know that they don't want to say that out loud because they don't want to make it sound like 2022 is uh, an afterthought. But they will be in a much better position a year from now. Uh, because of that, he didn't want to give up any of his good stuff in 2023. He didn't. The only pick he traded was that sixth-rounder, to the Chargers, and if you think the Chargers are going to be pretty good, and I do, that's a pick at the very back end of the sixth round next year. Uh, I don't think they're going to regret um, missing out on that one. So, yeah, he's patient. Uh, This was never going to be a great draft just because of the lack of picks that he had and the lack of good picks that he had, and I think it shook out that way. But he did make two big ones in the second round, and I love – I'm talking about capital L – Love that the Bears drafted two potential day one starters. But how much, how much of a difference can those two rookie DBs make on this 2022 Chicago Bears team? Well, I think they're going to both start right away. And in that sense, uh, maybe a big one. Uh, if, you know, if this season is all about preparing for next year, uh, letting two rookies get their feet underneath them all season uh, with a chance of them being super established, by the time 2023 rolls around, I think it's a pretty good idea. Um, you know, I like Kyler Gordon a lot. I think that uh, he is exactly what they need. You know, when you look at Ryan Pace, you know, uh, he didn't invest in corner uh, at all, really. And I think in the modern NFL, you need to put a lot of money and a lot of resources to that. Um, I guess, you know, Phil Emery drafted Kyle Fuller, and then Ryan Pace paid him, but he only paid him after the Packers threatened to take him away. So uh, that approach makes a lot of sense to me. I, I don't know about drafting a safety. Um, I think that uh, a free or a strong safety is something you can find on the free agent market. I think there are probably five or six or seven of those guys right now that could probably start in the NFL in week one, and you could pay them a million and a half dollars and probably be pretty happy. But uh, they found something that they liked on the defensive end. I would quibble with the safety far, far, far more than I would with the corner. Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times with us here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Um, the, the Justin Fields segment of, of the discussion throughout the weekend, leading into it, coming out of it, it seems to dominate things because you got a first-round pick going in his second year as a QB. Um, what, what were Ryan Poles' thoughts going into draft week, and how did he address the, the potential need, and what did he say afterwards about whether or not he actually helped his quarterback out very much? <laughs> well, I, we're going to keep holding him to the thing he said at the Combine. And the thing he said at the Combine was that when they looked at great quarterback leaps between year one and year two historically, what they found was that those quarterbacks had receivers that they could turn to when times got tough. 
Um, that led all of us to think that that's exactly what he was going to do, was go find one of those guys. He didn't in free agency. You know, I, I think Byron Pringle is probably a pretty good receiver who did himself absolutely no favors by getting arrested, you know, uh, within a month of getting signed by the Bears. Uh, <laughs> Equinemius St. Brown, you know, passes the airport test for sure. You look at him and you think, man, that's an impressive-looking athlete. And then his production at the NFL level has just not been much, if anything. Uh, so when that was the best they could do via free agency, you thought, well, okay, now they're going to draft a guy. And they didn't. Uh, Polls tried to tell us before the draft that, you know, you can help Justin Fields by getting him a good returner and getting him a good defensive back or whatever. Uh, I'm not sure that he even believes that, even though he said it. Uh, I think it, it just turned out that, you know, swimming in that end of the pool, uh, in the deep end of the pool financially, uh, was just too much for the Bears to do. And like I said, you know, Ryan Poles isn't going to, trade you know next year's one and stuff for aj brown probably you know and or for dk metcalf if he's available uh, because next year's stuff is very very valuable to the bears given the arc of what they think this season will be uh, compared to 2023 and 2024 the window's not open yet i think we got to remember <laughs> that if the window's not open yet when it is then we can go do things like that i'm gabe ramirez here with anthony heron and of course Joining us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino of Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, is Pat Finley, writer of the Chicago Sun-Times, covers the Bears and the NFL. Ryan Paul said when talking about signing a veteran receiver, obviously we see that he didn't address it in the way that most people would have liked in the NFL draft. But in regards to signing a veteran receiver, he said, if that's the route we need to go, then we will. Is there anyone out there that you like or you think that passes that test to be able to be a Bears receiver? You know, that, like you mentioned, someone with a favorable contract that we can get that you like that's out there right now? No. <laughs> that's my short Damn. answer. My short answer is no. Um, there's, not, there's not anybody walking the street right now that makes sense. I mean, the most talented uh, receiver who's available is probably Antonio Brown. And uh, I wouldn't want to touch that, and I don't think the Bears do either. So um, that brings you probably to – uh, the end of training camp, you see if there's some guys who are, you know, surprise cuts or, or guys that you can get for cheap because their team's about to quit on them. Uh, you know, you can do that for sure. Um, you know, it's, it wouldn't be hard. I mean, it's not hard to crack the Bears' starting lineup at receiver right now, um, quite honestly. But <laughs> Pat, I, I Pat what, about guys, what about guys like Will Fuller? A guy like I don't mind him. People that play fantasy football, they know he's a hands guy. He can get you some catches. Emmanuel Sanders, a veteran, older guy, but a guy that can, again catches. Just I mean, because if you're if you're talking about a million dollar contract and adding bodies to that wide receiving core, you're gonna have to do it. You're not gonna walk into day one with these guys, right? You got to add someone well, else. Yeah, you think so? And you can sell these guys on opportunity. You know, you can sit there and say, hey, you've got probably a decent chance to make the team. You know what you can't sell them on, though, is ring chasing. Because, uh, you know, for the veteran receivers or the veteran guys in any position who, who want to take a lot less money than they're used to taking in their careers, uh, usually the motivation of, hey, come win something with us uh, is how you get them there. Um, and I don't think realistically the Bears can say that. And, and I don't mean to dismiss Will Fuller. Um, at, at all, uh, you know, you know, they've, you know, all those guys have done some good stuff in their career. But if you're talking about difference maker players, I think if they were difference makers, they'd still be employed. How much additional pressure would you say it puts on on Luke Getzey that there hasn't been a, a premium, let's say, placed on on some of the playmakers? It feels like the Bears don't have at the moment on offense. Oh, a, a lot. I mean, the fact that it's the first year is going to make it a little easier on everybody. Nobody's 
going to expect miracles overnight. Um, you know, the fact that he got Bayless Jones, you figure that he probably had a pretty good uh, amount of input on that pick. You know, I don't think you get a gadget player like him without your offensive coordinator being really excited about it. So that'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. You know, I, I remember, you know, I, I followed the San Diego Padres, a traditionally terrible baseball team. And, you know, and every couple of years they fire a hitting coach or fire a pitching coach. And, and I forget who the, who the hitting coach was one year that they fired who said that, uh, you, know, uh, you know, they expect me to win the Kentucky Derby with a donkey. And, uh, <laughs> and at some level you can't expect Luke Getsy to win the Kentucky Derby with a donkey. You know, he needs talent, and it's not there yet. Uh, and I think it's unrealistic to expect there to be a giant influx of talent between now and week one. Tyler? Our producer, cut that line up. I'm playing that all season long. <laughs> you you, you got to cut that up. Oh, man. Okay, let, let's let's talk about this draft because I think people do feel good about the amount of bodies that, we, that we're bringing into Hallis Hall uh, come, come training camp. Outside of the first three rounds, though, is there anyone on there that you feel like could be a day one starter? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I think if they fail to get uh, somebody to play right guard, uh, you know, you might see some shuffling there. Uh, you know, I don't think uh, any of the guys they drafted are, are natural guards necessarily. I think that, you know, they got tackles and centers. And then the kid from Southern, I, I guess, is a guard. Braxton um, Jones, you know, yeah. Yeah, or well, Braxton Jones is, yeah, from Southern Utah. I'm talking about the kid from uh, Southern Jatari Utah. Jatari Carter. Sorry, Carter. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know about one of those guys. I mean, the <laughs> I'll give you the easy answer. The easy answer is the punter. <laughs> the, putter, the putter's just got to beat one guy <laughs> and because of that uh i i guess i'd go with him i don't pre i don't profess to be a punting expert but hey four starters right and four, <laughs> four starters i'd say so yeah yeah when you get to that last day it, it feels like if you draft a punter he's going to get every opportunity to win that job goes in as the the prohibitive favorite so yeah i think that's a, a fair assessment um you had the, the six-round pick, uh, Treston Ebner, out of Baylor, and he's a, another one of these, you know, like a, a later-round traits guy. And I'm wondering whether or not in, in that Tariq Cohen sort of mold, and, and you know, is, is that a, another player where some excitement could be brewing for what he may actually be able to add? It could be. And, you know, let's be honest here. When you talk to people about, about the NFL, your average fan is really interested in wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, and, and running backs. And that's because, you know, we all play fantasy football. Um, so uh, a running back will always get a lot of clicks on our website and it'll always get a lot of eyeballs whenever you draft one. What I'll be curious to see is, you know, David Montgomery's entering the final year of his contract. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I know the Bears like him a lot. Um, I also know that not a lot of teams pay their running backs uh, on their second contract. So, uh, you know, developing a stable of running backs behind him uh, makes sense because a year from now you never know where he may be. Uh, the fact that Khalil Herbert was as good as he was in his uh, replacing of Montgomery last year, uh, I think speaks to how replaceable running backs can be sometimes. You know, we'll see if that applies in Luke Gatsy's offense. I, I think you may see some kind of thunder and lightning element the way you did with the Packers the last couple of years. I mean, the Packers had two really good running backs who touched the ball a lot last season. And, you know, perhaps David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert are those two. And, you know, if you're going to be playing two a lot, the odds are somebody's going to get hurt and you'll probably need a third. And, and, and this is uh, probably where that draft pick comes in. He's Pat Finley from the Sun-Times. I'm Gabe Ramirez. We're also here with Aunt Heron. Let me, let me just get your thoughts on Justin Fields. 
Let me just get out the way. You and I don't get an opportunity to talk much, Pat. I, I know what Ant feels about Justin Fields. We talk about it all the time. I'm curious about you. What are your just general thoughts on him, him being the quarterback for the Chicago Bears for the next few years? Just what are your thoughts in general? I think he's in a very impressive person. I think football is important to him. Um, and I think that uh, if anybody can kind of wade through um, the muck of the Bears <laughs> to the last season, uh, it is somebody who I think is used to winning at every level he's ever played at. Um, I think that he has all of the intangibles to be a really, really good quarterback. Uh, I think we need to see it on the field. And this, you know, the great crime of last year was that the Bears stunk and Justin Fields didn't play enough. Because, you know, if they, they, could, have done, they could have posted that record with Justin Fields playing every snap. And if so, they would have been a lot better for it this season because we'd know a little bit of more of what we had. And Justin would also have more in that database. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think surrounding him with Luke Getze, uh is, is, is good for him. You know, when I was, you know, if I were the guy making the hire of the head coach, uh, I think I probably would have leaned more offensive just because the more offensive minds, the better in that building. Uh, but I want to see what he can do. I, there's nothing he's shown me. He didn't show me anything last year that leads me to think that he can't figure this out. Um, but, you know, at some point you need to do it. And, you know, when you talk about the fact that Mitch Trubisky, after one year, uh, looked more like the real deal than Justin Fields did. Like, um, that's, that's not good. And uh, I, think Fields, I think Fields has loud skills, and I think Fields has proven it at a high college level the way that Mitch Trubisky never did. Um, so uh, I think he absolutely should be a better quarterback than Mitch was. But, again, we got to see it. we got to see it. Yeah, I think we all can't wait to see it. Pat Finley from the Chicago Sun-Times covers the Bears and the NFL. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Of course. We all can't wait to see Justin Fields on the field again. And yeah. our and our 11 draft picks that we have. See who's going to make the team. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, wow. That, listen, I tell you, are, are we not making you hype about this? Listen, if I was driving around right now, and I'd be like, wow, I feel so good about this Bears team right now. <laughs> uh, but we got to break it up a little bit. There's another team here in Chicago that just performed well. Their pitcher, who people have been mm-hmm. worried about, pitched the gem. Who are we talking about? What was that final score? We'll get to it next right here on 670 The Score. Let's see. Two and two. Strike three. There it is. Liam was not messing around. And the Sox shut out the Angels. Shout out Jason Benetti on the call right there from NBC Sports Chicago. Sox finally get a victory against the Los Angeles Angels. Three to nothing. Dylan Cease pitching an absolute gem seven innings, only giving up one hit and 11 strikeouts. I know Cubs fans are salty. Every time I bring up Dylan Cease's name, my brother included, I don't know he's listening, they're just like, ah, Jose Quintana. <laughs> That's the first thing they think about. Uh, but a phenomenal job by the bullpen, Kendall Graveman coming in for a nice inning, only giving up a hit. And then for me, when the second secondary highlight, Ant Heron, is the – Perfect inning pitched by Liam Hendricks. Three strikeouts, right. getting his fifth save on the season. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. We are two homies hanging out with you guys. First, Okay, first of all, I, I would love to just hear your thoughts on the Chicago White Sox as a whole. You and I do not get an opportunity to speak much mm. about this team. The it, It's been a frustrating season for the Sox, and it 
part of the the issue that just enhances it all is because of the the Tony Larusa end of the discussion has been going on since they made the hire last off season, and so immediately there's a big concern that he was just going to sap some of the fun out of this squad. My hope was that because there are just so many young, talented, charismatic players on this squad, that that would sort of counteract the the Larusa concerns about whether or not the team would still be entertaining. What I didn't anticipate, and you know, this kind of goes to a point that I was making a lot af- after the Northsiders won their World Series, and then in the, in the years after that, it just felt like all that young talent didn't continue to ascend. They, you hear me talk about development so much in all our Bears conversations we have over on Fox 32. We didn't see a lot of those young slub- sluggers from the Cubs continue to get better. We didn't see development there, and now La Russa, in the house, Hall of Famer, a bunch of World Series rings and all that. But so far this season, and, you know, injuries are, are a big part of the, the equation for what's going on right now. But yet and still, the guys who are on the field don't necessarily look like they're, they're performing at a high level. You're seeing amongst major league leaders and errors throughout the entire season here. You know, a bullpen that hasn't performed up to the expenditure, to the resources that they've invested in that. And, of course, in the batter's box, you're not seeing an approach that's leading to much success offensively. All the, you know, the, the limited walks that they take, the amount of strikeouts that they have. It's just it's not a squad that seems like the approach that's being taken is leading to development of this team that, you know, so many of these guys are, are under contract control, and it felt like the formula that was in place made so much sense. And then last season, a lot of that young talent performed at a high level. Then you got to the postseason against a team with championship pedigree, and you saw that, man, they're, they're still far away. They still got to get better, whether it's bringing in additional personnel from outside or this personnel who's here right now needs to continue to hone their craft, to get better and be prepared for postseason success against the best in the business up to this point in the season. We're not seeing that consistently, but it's nice coming off of the performance we saw today that at least, you know, it looked like the squad representative against one of the best offenses in baseball. And, of course, a lot of it was just led by the arm of Dylan Cease, but beyond that, it just it looked like a squad that top to bottom was more ready to be able to perform at a high level. It was good to see the Chicago White Sox, again, perform at that level, especially – behind the arm of Dylan Cease. Here's Tony LaRusso talking about Dylan. I mean, his continued progress is just, uh, you know, I don't want to say amazing because that means it's beyond what he can do. It's just how quickly he's developing. It's just uh, really fun to see. And, uh, you know, I mean, that, that team and, the way he kept it, uh, to me, the biggest, two of the biggest times when they got the guy on base and he had two outs and had to get the hitter out to protect the lead. And he just, just as composed and didn't rush anything. It was just a really, really impressive. You've seen the progress of Dylan Cease over the last couple of years. You've seen him go to the mound with a confidence that increases each outing. And it's good to see it come to this point where they're letting guys go a little longer. Obviously, seven seven innings pitched, and it felt it felt good to see that Sox going to be taking on the Cubs. First pitch at six forty, of course. Coverage right here on six seventy. The score pregame right before that. Make sure you're checking out for that. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. It almost is. It's almost like we could we couldn't get out. Or excuse me, the Sox couldn't get out of their own way mm. in the last week or two. 
talked to Steve Stone. He mentioned that, Gabe, it's only been 15 games. But mm. when you have championship aspirations, and you feel as though the team should be performing at a high level from the beginning. And in the, you know, the sport I cover most closely in football, a lot of times I try to get people to, to kind of throttle down the, the game-by-game reactions and expectations. And there's a lot less data points in football just over 16 games. We're a month into the season at this point. The most concerning thing has been, like I was referencing the, the approach at the plate and the errors, you get out of today's game with zero errors. Now that's enhanced when you got a pitcher with 11 strikeouts through seven innings and there's just not a lot of balls in play. Then, of course, there's less worry, less concern for errors, especially on the infield where a lot of them have been taking place. But, you know, you're not necessarily going to count on that every single time. Now, if it's Kopech, Gilito, and Cease who are just fanning a bunch of folks, then I guess that should diminish the errors. But overall, man, you want to make sure that, that things seem like they're tightening up. And so today, Dylan Cease was a huge cog in what tightened up for the Sox. But you're going to get those Dallas Keiko outings out there where your infield has to continue <laughs> to be on point at a really high level. I heard he's a ba- he's a, his name is a bad word right now from what I'm hearing on Twitter. <laughs> All right, again, I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. White Sox taking on the Cubs tomorrow. Uh, again, 640 first pitch, Smiley versus Kopech. That'll be right here on 670, the score. Now, something else that's just happened right here in the city of Chicago was a phenomenal draft by Ryan Poles and his staff with the Chicago Bears. And who he took in the second round, Jaquan Brisker. He played for Penn State, and we actually have the safeties coach, at Penn State. Anthony Poindexter, he will be joining us next and letting us know if, in fact, the Bears got the steal of the draft. That's next on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.